The equity scoring is a, is a high point, but the lack of educational programs and sustainability. You know, I never thought about the fact that you know, there's this great degrees in sustainability, but there's not really a trade education for that area. And it's really not. It's like you can't go to trade school and take sustainability <laughs> so, or, or conservation, right? I think that's a, 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 an area where we could really excel. I'm very excited about it. We are here to try to explain to you what it is we do here. The solar industry in the U.S. employs more people than Google, Apple, Facebook, and Twitter combined. The most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Welcome into the Green Insider Podcast, powered by eRenewable. I am your host, Fred Davis. Episode 42 coming at you right now, and we're very excited about this episode. And we're looking forward to this episode as we welcome to the program Cynthia Nesser, president of the board of directors for the Arizona Sustainability Alliance. And very interesting stuff they've got going on over there in Arizona as far as what they're doing with sustainability, not just with tree planting, but also with the renewable education program that they've rolled out to elementary and high school kids. It's something that has definitely been a major boon for the state when it comes to educating folks and the kids on sustainability. But before we get to that, let's hear from our CEO and founder of eRenewable. Here is Mr. Mike Niemer telling you about what we do at eRenewable. Hi, Mike Niemer here, president and CEO of eRenewable. At eRenewable, we bring technology to the sustainability space by hosting real-time online auctions for both PPAs and VPPAs. Our electronic management tool helps streamline the RFP process, whether you are a buyer or a seller of wind, solar, or battery storage, our platform will provide pricing efficiencies to your organization. Additionally, we help customers with microgrid or battery storage development, renewable natural gas by turning waste energy, LED lighting and HVAC efficiency upgrades, unbundled RECs, and provide energy advisory services to our customers. Please visit our website at eRenew.net or call us at 1-866-ERENEW1. As always, thank you for listening to The Green Insider, powered by eRenewable. Thank you so much for that, Mike. As always, you can find out more about the company over at eRenew.net. That's eRenew.net. All right, without further ado, let's welcome to the program Cynthia Nesser, President of the Board of Directors for the Arizona Sustainability Alliance. It's actually pretty elaborate. We are working with the the cities to have a workforce ready program because not everybody's meant to go to college. And we are working with the Title I schools to work with the more underprivileged kids for summer programs to teach them about renewable energy and conservation, which is really neat because we want to get them interested in those careers. Because even though the area has lots of PhDs, because ASU, the university right there, is uh, putting out, has a wonderful education program on sustainability, there are not a lot of workers in that area. And so we need more workers. So we now have a workforce-ready program in renewable energy and conservation. So it's really neat. So we just started this, but it's going to grow. It's going to explode because there's such a big interest in it. And we're actually are paying the kids to attend our summer course. So they're getting a stipend to actually attend. This is a direct program part of the AZSA? Yes, and it's in collaboration with the school system. So we're working with the cities to develop this program. And it's being funded by businesses and grants. 
So we seek out the funding and then we work with the cities and the Title I schools and get the students that are interested in those careers. We're getting, trying to get a workforce ready to the system. Do they have to attend in person or are they available to them virtually? It's, it's virtual. Now, the conservation thing, we may have live demonstrations ultimately, but it'll be COVID safety practiced. If some uh, young person was wanting to learn about it and they didn't live in Arizona, allowed to pay a stipend back to your association to attend the class or, how, or is that even allowed? Well, we're going to work on that because this, this is so new to us too. This is something right. that we just developed this year that we are thinking about growth because this is something that's going to be, this is going to explode already. We have so many people interested in it. It's really going to be neat. Yeah, that's awesome. I hope a lot of young people, uh, once they hear this and everything, you start getting more traction around the country. We already have a curriculum for it. We've already developed a curriculum. We're working with a specialized curriculum. This is the first thing where you guys are like literally getting, like literally getting them involved. How did this thing come about as far as just kind of the genesis of the idea and just how to kind of completion to where the program is right now? The first thing that our one of our priorities is education. And the best way to educate is the next generation. I mean, we can try to change the paradigm of the adults now, but the best way to do it is to change the next generation so that we're starting uh, with a fresh start. And so we already were working with the school systems and a sew it forward and food computers. So we had a STEM education program that we've had going on for a few years now to bring them fresh vegetables in the school system. And it was STEM education because they could build and program a computer. So it was really a neat system. And then we also had these vertical gardens that we could roll from classroom to classroom that was agrivolted, you know, kind of a liquid garden, say, vertical garden, all hydroponics. And the kids would get fresh vegetables from this system. Literally, they'd grow their own vegetables. And then, you know, because vegetables are expensive, if you think about it. Uh, but they were actually able to come up with recipes and, and understand health education. You know, so it was, we have a curriculum that goes with it. And during COVID, we even modified the curriculum so that each student got a little little bag, a little hydroponic garden. And then we had a, a virtual curriculum. It was pretty neat. But yeah, the system is great because at the end of the semester, you can drain it all, pack it up and put it in the closet. You don't have that nasty, weedy garden outside <laughs> that <laughs> you see at school systems all the time that looks terrible over the summer. You don't have that. Tell us a little bit about the Arizona Sustainability Alliance, your role and just kind of how that, how the whole operation came about. Well, it's interesting. I've been on a board for over two years. I wanted to do something. I've been on big boards before, but I then decided I wanted to participate in a growing organization. And I wanted to do something in sustainability because it's near and dear to my heart. But what really attracted me to this organization was it was small, but it's exploding now. And they needed board development, which I love. Uh, I love growing something. And, you know, I, I love Arizona. <laughs> I, mean, I like the desert. For whatever reason, I'm very attracted to it. This group has such interesting set of priorities. They cater to equality, kind of leveling out the playing field. They cater to sustainable education. They're non-political. So they want to bring everyone to the table, which I find fascinating. I love that idea. You know, so they're not going to go out and protest because the idea is let's take it out of the political realm because that's just going to divide. We want everyone 
brought to the table. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea. Uh, and, I, and I thought that was very attractive. Uh, I resisted being board president for a while because I wasn't in Arizona, but I go as often as I can anyway. So I finally said, you know what? I do want to lead. And, and I finally became president a couple months ago. So this is interesting. So we have a volunteer staff. It's actually considered staff because they actually hold positions even though they're volunteers. We only have four paid employees. Everybody else is not compensated, but the beauty of us being able to attract those volunteer staff members is we're giving experiential experience. I mean, true experiential learning opportunities. So they come out of university, they get a job that may or not be in their field of expertise, but they join us because it is in their field of expertise. They love it. They are getting real-time experience with us. I mean, some of in the 20-something-year-old range are heading out $100,000 project. And that's amazing resume material. There are people in, in their 20-something range that are serving on my board or they're serving on board committees. They're getting real-time experience with their resume. That's very important to them. So it's the experience that they're getting with AZSA that's so important. And we do not discriminate on age. You know, everybody brings good ideas to the table. So we love that energy. What was kind of your role in renewable energy prior to AZSA? Not very much. I was more into conservation. So uh, I had done a lot of conservation projects and, uh, and believe it or not, came from basically an oil and gas background, but was all very much interested in renewable energy. What did yeah. you do in the oil and gas field? My husband and I are part owners of a lift boat company. And also I've done a lot of litigation work with uh, oil and gas maritime companies. Two-part question. One, how did you get recruited into the AZSA? And what have you noticed from your oil and gas background in dealing with that for as many years as you did? How transferable have you noticed that skill set transitioning into the renewable side? And how easy has it been for you? Well, I think it's been very easy for me because uh, we're still at a crossroads where there's a balancing act. No, no system is perfect and a sole answer. So I think that there, it's especially <laughs> as you said, well, uh, corresponded in, in Texas recently with that complete grid failure. There's no one answer. There's uh, many solutions right now. And I'm still uh, a big proponent of LNG as a, as a backup. So, and there's still a need for backup generators in case of system failure, but and we still have to have batteries for solar. We still have to have options. Uh, so, you know, until things smooth out and there's more research done, but I think it's a good it's a good experience for me to have that background and understand that transition. I was already looking into charities in Arizona to join because I love it so much. And they happened to be calling out for board members because they needed some help. They had a very small board. I think they had maybe four board members at the time, uh, two years ago, and they were calling for help. I called them up and talked to the executive director and it was love at first chat. We talked for over an hour. <laughs> so <laughs> it was perfect. With the tree planting that you guys are doing, A, just a little bit about the, you know, the backstory to that. And you mentioned that how it's blown up. Just kind of give us the, the story about how that whole thing started, your experience with it, and where it's at right now. Everybody has realized that we need trees. Uh, and in certain counties in Arizona, there has been a need for cool, the cooling effect of trees and also an equity score. So basically, 
what's going on is, of course, higher income neighborhoods have more trees because in the development of those neighborhoods, it's more attractive to add the trees. So in poorer neighborhoods, there's less trees uh, just because they weren't added in the first place or maybe, you know, just it wasn't part of the city planning. We realized too that there's a heat island effect. So without the state trees, those areas are much hotter. So we're planting trees in those areas to cool them. And we're selecting trees that can handle the drought, they can handle the environment, and they provide more shade. It's that kind of equity scoring where those neighborhoods need more shade, they're hotter, and we're planting the trees that provide more shade. We have a map that shows those hot areas of, of town. And ironically, they are areas that are usually poorer areas. Are you partnering with the, the individual towns or, you know, kind of like their, their parks and rec, their public works department? Talk about a little bit about how that gets deployed, the conversation as to how, what neighborhoods are going to get chosen and then deployment and, and the planting, if you will, and how that all goes down. We have the benefit of not only working with the counties, that we're working with the school systems as well. So a lot of the schools don't have shade trees. So many of the schools are getting shade trees now. We planted just recently planted 35 shade trees at a school because there were no shade trees. So the kids would go out during a recess. There's no shade. And and from what I hear, it's Phoenix, hot in Arizona. Hot. I was going to say, but I've heard, it, I've heard it's a dry heat, though. Is there any truth to that? Yes, but at 114 degrees, who cares? It doesn't dry. matter who you are. 114 is hot. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> you don't want to be you know, Cynthia. Yeah. <laughs> Cynthia, I saw that... Uh, you guys uh, were involved with that uh, Arbor Day Foundation and the Bank of America making a donation to one of your municipalities. I think it was Mesa, wasn't it? Yes, Mesa County. And yeah. so, why don't you but, tell the listeners uh, what you guys were awarded there? This is fabulous. So, uh, Bank of America basically uh, gave us the grant to plant 150 trees, 150 shrubs, and 150. Uh, I guess you could call them milkweeds, uh, therefore pollinators. So it's a wonderful idea. Of course, we can't plant them during the summer because they'll just die. It's too hot. So we're basically out of the planting time. But Mesa County has so many areas in which we need to plant trees and shrubs to cool it off. This is a wonderful idea. So we'll be working directly with the county to pick those spots. And then and we've already actually picked those spots. They're going to be in schools and parks. Uh, we'll use the map, you know, with the heat island effect and, and the areas that needed it the most. And we're working directly with the county. So we're going to be starting planning probably in October. It's going to be very busy October and November because, you know, we have to wait till it's cool enough. Right tree, right time, right place. <laughs> so you don't want to plant in the summer and have everything die. But this is so exciting. So we're going to be very busy in the fall planting these items. But it's so important to also plant pollinators. So I'm so glad that they included that in the grants because it's just a wonderful yeah. idea. Uh, was your was your organization responsible for uh, submitting something to the foundation yes. to make yourself eligible? Yes, we we work directly with the Arbor Foundation, so that okay. uh, so, so we work with them, and and we work with uh, Bank of America. So we were working directly with those organizations. We're constantly applying for grants. In fact, we have an entire grant committee constantly working for things like that to help the counties. 
And that's, that's exactly what we're doing. We're working directly to help those counties because they're understaffed and they need help. So and it's very important to us. Well, congratulations. That's a good get. Yes, thank you. Thank you. We're very excited. The trees you mentioned notwithstanding, and, and obviously, uh, as you mentioned, as far and, and when you talk about the, the disparity in trees in, in impoverished neighborhoods and, and with schools, I, had no, I hadn't really thought about that. What, have you le- what else have you learned or what else has been uh, most surprising to you from a renewable, renewable energy sustainability standpoint since you uh, came on board with the AZSA? The equity scoring is a, is a high point, but the lack of educational programs and sustainability, you know, I never thought about the fact that, you know, there's this great degrees in sustainability, but there's not really a trade education for that area. And it's really not. It's like you can't go to trade school and take sustainability <laughs> so, or, or conservation, right? I think that's a, a, a an area where we could really excel. I'm very excited about it. I think this is areas where we're really, we're really going to take off. And I'm very, I just think it's wonderful. And especially working with the counties, I think. That's such a great idea with the Title I schools. How did COVID affect you guys? And what has kind of had the last, what, what are some of the lasting impacts that you guys have kind of rolled into your operation and what you're going to be doing in 2021 and beyond? You know, it's so interesting that our charity exploded during COVID. Okay. Isn't that amazing? I don't know all the reasons why, but I can tell you some of the reasons. It was easier for us to contact businesses because they were working at home. Okay, you take out the commute and you take out the fact that they're at the office and busy and under more pressure. And all of a sudden we could set up meetings and we we really focus. See, we it's it was no change for us. We all always worked remotely because we keep our costs down so well. We never had an office anyway. So it was no change for us. And we found it so much easier just to set up meetings. So this is zero change for us at all. And the only thing that it stopped for a while for us is actual tree plantings. And now we're resumed that just with safety set up. We wear masks and practice some distancing, but we're planting trees. So we're doing it now. And the only thing that will change for us now is that we'll have more live events than we did during COVID but we're still going to practice CDC recommendations. But it, it really actually helped us because it, we exploded. I absolutely exploded. We went from a $50,000 a year charity to probably $700,000, and we're going we're gonna to exceed that. One of the experimental projects we're doing is uh, agrivoltics at a farm. And so we took a, a farm under our wing, and we're, setting, and we're still working on it because we're trying to work out the bugs. But we're setting up solar panels at a farm. And we're making a documentary about it. So uh, it's, that's in the works. So look forward to it. But it's an ongoing project. And of course, everybody's learning through the system and trying to protect things. And we have Salt River Project, the business, uh, helping us. We have lots of advisors helping us with this. But it's uh, it's a little experimental. But you know, we're learning a lot. So they will go from generators out there because they're kind of off the grid. So they're going from gas generators to a solar power system. Uh, and and we're going to be, you know, we're following along. This is our first really big solar project. For the folks that are in the uh, Arizona, and it doesn't matter what part of Arizona they're in. I mean, or you can, you know, Phoenix, Tucson, wherever. I mean, anybody that's interested mm-hmm. in wanting to be part of the AZSA, how do they, how do they go about doing it? 
well, they could just look us up and, and contact us from our website. But it's it's great because we're right now we're even, we're close to the metro area, but we're expanding quickly. And our goal is to be statewide uh, very fast, especially since we're mainly virtual uh, right now. But our, for instance, we uh, we did a tree planting in Prescott Valley because it was later in the season and it was cooler up there, you know, later in the season. So we did, and they were so excited that the county was extremely excited that we went up there and, and did a tree planting that it was a, a lot of fun. And we did some in their parks. That was just wonderful experience. But yes, we're expanding quickly. And I can see that as our growth expands. And you have to admit that sustainability is a sexy thing right now. And that is helping our growth immensely. So, you know, we have a great team. We have an amazing executive director. She has a PhD and she comes up with brilliant ideas. We have an amazing staff, albeit tiny. And then our volunteer staff is just so well-educated. We have, our staff has master's uh, degrees. So we have such an energetic group and, and that energy is just contagious. Thank you so much for that, Miss Nesser. Great stuff they're doing out there in Arizona. Don't forget, you can catch all of the Green Insider episodes over at Apple iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, eRenew.net, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget the Power Chat every Friday where we get you in and out in 10 minutes or less. This has been the Green Insider Podcast powered by eRenewable. We make going green easier.